Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your worship, Lord. We thank you as we come, Lord, that, that we can spend our time just lifting our praises to you. Father, we thank you being reminded at the table, Lord, there but the grace of God go I when we look. Uh, Father, what our lives might have been like had you not saved us and changed us, Lord, and we thank you for that. So, Father, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would bless your word, Father, for it is yours. You would illuminate it by the power of your spirit, Father. It would teach us and challenge us and encourage us this morning. So, Father, we just say thank you for this opportunity to come round your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew that we started way back in September. If you're a visitor with us uh, this morning, we're just literally starting and taking as long as it needs for us to get through uh, this gospel um, because we really believe that God has something to say to us and we want to be sort of consistent and systematic with what we're learning from the word. So we're not coming every Sunday with just a different word depending on uh, maybe how my week has been, whether it's been up or down or that. We're being consistent we are teaching from the word and so that's why we started in Matthew back in September and we're in Matthew 8 at the moment and Matthew 8 is a uh, is very key chapter in, in the whole of the gospel uh, Jesus has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount the most famous sermon of all time is preached that sermon it has changed the way people think firstly about religion but also the religious teachers uh, and stuff but Matthew 8 really focuses on uh, on this and this is so important and this has come through already Jesus's encounter with individuals how he deals with individual people he says I've shared this from the front quite a few times that God is interested in every aspect of our lives every one of us that sits in here there is a detail uh, within our lives maybe that nobody else knows about that God is interested in and, and Jesus displays this in Matthew chapter 8 he says this because he meets some individuals who are unwell some individuals who expect a miracle uh, some individuals who and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago when we spoke on discipleship uh, then he threw out the challenge of discipleship to the to the scribe the teacher of the law but also to the disciple that actually there's an encounter here with an individuals uh, that Jesus speaks to it's like we know Jesus works the crowds we know the stories of the feeding of the 5,000 and how the crowd followed him and stuff. But there's something that encourages us this morning uh, about Jesus being interested in the, the individual and their need. Uh, as though they, they, they matter to him because they do. The whole purpose of the cross is that Jesus Christ died uh, for the world. But the world is broken down into individuals. And we see the encounters that Jesus has. And it says in Matthew 8 that, you know, he finishes the Sermon on the mountain. He says, great multitudes are following him. Uh, they've been amazed at his teaching. But chapters 8 and 10, like I said last week, now Jesus will demonstrate now through the power of miracles. Uh, and Jesus teaches as one having authority. Uh, and at the end of chapter 7, it says people were astonished or amazed at the words that he had to say because he taught as, as though as one had not taught before uh, and that. And so they'd come to this point that, that Jesus had taken this teaching and he's, he's sharing the word of God and the power of God with people that actually is trying to make them understand that this is not a privilege just for a few people. 
It's not just the rabbis that have the key to the revelation of the word of God. That actually they, 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 that Jesus is here and one of the things he wants to do is open up the word of God to everybody. They're not just to follow the teachers, the religious teachers here. But actually Jesus wants to open the word up because the word itself, apart from everything in creation as we know, even when the heavens and the earth pass away, it says the word of God will remain. And so Jesus sets himself apart here because he could teach as one who had his own authority. And that was the difference. He didn't need to get it from others. The where the law had been passed down by the oral tradition where they'd spoken it one to another. Jesus suddenly doesn't need his authority from anybody else. And it's interesting in chapters 8 to 9, Matthew records 10 miracles of Jesus. Now, I said this at the beginning, that when Matthew writes his gospel, that, you know, that you've got the beginning and you've got the end, but it, the, the stories in the middle are not always chronolo chronologically one after the other in the timeline and stuff. Matthew is making a point uh, to the Jewish readers. He's trying to make them understand this is who Jesus is and what he's come for, that the Jews were waiting for the Messiah, and Jesus is the Messiah. And so in these two, three chapters, Matthew arranges these 10 miracles. And some commentators have said that there's a comparison with the, the 10 plagues in Egypt because the Jews would have read that and understood this. And Jesus has come in a sense just as almost as the opposite of that, the fulfillment of that. That while the miracles of Moses um, in the plagues of Egypt brought destruction and death, Jesus' miracles bring healing and they bring restoration to people. You know, Matthew reports here that there are miracles in three areas that Jesus does. The first one is this, and we see this this morning in the healing of the leper, is Jesus' ability to heal the body. And we did this last Sunday evening as we prayed for people who were unwell and we entrust uh, God to heal them through the power of his son. And we see this here. And then we have Jesus' power over creation. And there was a story in Matthew chapter 8, and we will look at this in a few weeks, where they're out in a boat, and the wind and the waves blow up, and Jesus is just asleep in the boat. And the disciples say to themselves, we need to wake him up, we're going to die here. We're traveling across the lake, and the swell has blown up. And they ask Jesus his most amazing question. I always think it is an incredible question. He says, they wake him up and says, teacher, do you not care? I mean, we ask Jesus that. Teacher, do you not care? And Jesus shows his power over creation. And then the third thing that we see is Jesus' authority over the spirit realm. Because it tells us in Matthew chapter 8 that many that came that were demon-possessed and those that were held captive by evil forces. And Jesus sets them free. And all of these are the miracles that come through that Jesus' ability, Jesus' power, and Jesus' authority. Now Jesus comes down off the mountainside uh, and his first miracle here is when he encounters a man with leprosy. And we see this in Matthew 8, verse 1 to 4. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
some background here to what we're looking at in Jesus's day and for many years after that that, that there was no cure for leprosy contracting it sentenced a person to a slow and painful death a thousand years after this if a man became a leper the priest of the church donned his stole he took his crucifix and he brought the man who had contracted leprosy into his church and he read the burial service over him while he was alive the few his funeral service over him while he was alive because from a human perspective the man was already dead there was no cure for it there was nothing that could be done what made it worse is not just the medical issues that you suffered with it for your health which in itself you know as, as your body becomes numb and, and parts of it begin to fall off and just the most awful slow painful death that there is with leprosy you were removed from your family you became an outcast in society uh, and the Jews had a unique perspective on the disease of leprosy because no other disease is mentioned as much as leprosy in the Bible two whole chapters of Leviticus is devoted to it all suspected lepers were required to be officially diagnosed by the priesthood who were simply the doctors of the day so if you thought you had leprosy you went to see the priest and the priest examined you and confirmed it or denied it and he kept that uh, uh, that's what they used to do so once a person was designated a leper he, he said he must tear his clothes and therefore wore uh, torn clothes afterwards he must cover himself from the nose down whenever in public and depending on the stage of the disease a leper could be clean or unclean for periods of time uh, and the Jewish people had the, the the spiritual response to it as well because they, they thought that leprosy was a defilement from God they thought they had done something and God was punishing them by giving them leprosy uh, because they saw it as a model of sin you know the physical idea of you're you're already dead you know you're just simply now living until the point where you actually die when you had leprosy uh, and simply followed that the, through this that the rabbis especially they despised lepers and they saw these people under a special judgment of God deserving no pity or no mercy so you can see the sort of picture here that we're coming to when Jesus is here but you know when unclean a leper could not enter the tabernacle couldn't enter the temple to worship they were barred from the feasts and family they couldn't touch another human being they were made to walk down the road and and they literally had to do this if they were walking down the road they had leprosy they had to unclean I'm unclean I'm unclean so you know what would happen if people heard that what they would do that they would move away from the person they would allow the person to come through because they were completely discarded by society completely rejected by family and friends and in Leviticus 14 it tells us that the Lord instructed the priest to verify any supposed healing of leprosy so in that chapter there it tells us what they were supposed to do they carefully examined the body for a week if no evidence of leprosy was found after seven days the person was declared healed 
So if you thought you had leprosy, you then went to the priests and they examined you and confirmed it. But if you thought you were healed from it, it says you then went back to them and said, listen, I think I've been healed from this. They would then spend the next seven days examining the body to see if this was true. And so then the priests would then conduct the offerings that come through so much in, 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 under the law, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the burnt offering, and the meal offering. Now this is important for us to understand here, was Jesus heals this man. The, during the history of Israel, Leviticus 14 had never been used. There had been healings of leprosy, but they were either before the law was given or not under the law. So there are stories in the Old Testament of we know where people are healed from leprosy, but it was before the law or not under the law. And because there had been no instances of healing, the Jews believed the first to heal someone of leprosy would be the Messiah himself. And here is Jesus who comes and encounters this leper and he heals him by touching him and he's made clean. And suddenly it throws the whole religious world into sort of an uproar here because somebody has been healed from leprosy. And he says, though there had been these other supernatural miracles, uh, apart from the Messiah, they'd been the first to perform some of these miracles. But the man approaches Jesus and he seeks healing from him. Uh, and he does two things which I think is really important. They've got to understand the desperation of this man as he comes. I mean, the man is already dead. I mean, that's the way he was just breathing, he was just living. He had no, no contact with family, no contact with friends. He couldn't do a job, he couldn't do anything. He had leprosy. There was a certain power in desperation, isn't there? That we don't know, and I would like to think uh, this is true, that Jesus comes down off the mountainside. But the leper has heard something of what Jesus has said. And that on there, on all the teaching that he's given, uh, that Matthew records in Matthew 5 to 7, and maybe he's heard when Jesus says, ask and it shall be given to you. And maybe in his mind he thinks, I wonder if that means me as well. Because often we can be like the leper sometimes. We can think that what God wants to do is for everybody else, but it's not for us. We think it's for each and every other person. Uh, God wants to heal somebody else, or God wants to give something to somebody else, or God wants to open the door for somebody else. And I think in this power of desperation that, that this, this leper has, he just suddenly comes to Jesus and in a sense he's nothing to lose but his response is amazing to Jesus because the first thing he does of the two things is he addresses him as Lord and the second thing he does he kneels before him and worships him he not only begs Jesus there's something about this this leper and sometimes it's the simplest of people the people we do not expect stuff from they're the ones who give us the right response for in this moment he kneels before Jesus and he calls him Lord and there is something within him that recognises this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. I, I have maybe, he's maybe heard some of the stuff that Jesus has said or some of the stuff that other people have said about Jesus and thought in the physical sense I'm never getting healed. There is nothing that is going to heal me but in the spiritual sense if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the Son of God, if he is the one that we have been waiting for, why not me? Why not me? 
Isn't that a great question sometimes to approach God with? Not just everybody else, but why not me? Because I think the leper has that attitude here. He just says, well, why not me? And so he approaches Jesus and, 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 you know, often when we think of worship, we think of maybe what we've just done this morning. And, you know, that is the act of worship in church where we've gathered together. But the leper does some other stuff that helps us when we come to understand uh, how we worship Jesus. Because how did the leper worship Jesus? Well, the first thing he did, he honoured Jesus as the one who could meet his impossible need. I thought, how many times do we pray the prayer? And it's almost like the safety net prayer. It's almost, God, would you do this for me? But even if you don't, it's okay. I've got plan B. I've got a backup plan. And we would say, oh, we're not praying those prayers. We do pray those prayers. And you say, so the leper comes in, he honours God as the only one. Uh, he honours Jesus as the one who could meet his impossible need. Only he could do it. He worshipped Jesus with the word Lord. So immediately he comes and he says, and we know the Lord means it's a, it's a, it's a person of esteem. It's a person that, that almost we're lifting up. And that's how he worships Jesus with the word Lord. He worships Jesus with his humility by not demanding but leaving the request up to the will of Jesus. I, I love that question he asks. Lord, if you are willing. Lord, he just leaves it in the hands of Jesus. I love it when he asks him because elsewhere, and we'll jump over to Mark a little bit, when the same story is written in Mark, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And I, I just love that thought that Jesus will come and he literally has the power to heal everybody. I mean, he literally could just, I mean, had God given me that same power, I would have just healed everybody. I mean, that's why he didn't give it me. That's why he doesn't give it me because you would look at people and think, everybody's there, there you go, almost like, everybody's healed. And yet Jesus doesn't do that. And actually there's a step before that that he's not consumed with the power that he has but actually the compassion that he has that he looks at somebody with leprosy and it says he's moved with compassion and that word compassion means something in here that moves you drives you to do something because he looks at this man, we don't know the state that he's in. I would say he's pretty rough, like if he's a leper, there'd be, you know, the sores and the boils and the face cover and everything. You know, it would be obvious that he was. Yet Jesus moved with compassion for him. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And he says he worshipped Jesus in a sense with this confidence uh, that Jesus could make him more than healthy, Jesus could make him clean. By asking to be made clean, the leper was not just asking uh, to be cured from this. Was it just asking for remission from this? Was it just asking for something temporary to happen? He wanted Jesus to heal him and to make him clean. He was asking this to be, excuse me, to be restored to his family and his friends. And saying, if you are willing, the man acknowledges that Jesus has the power to do something that had never been done before in history. The leper had no doubt whatsoever about the ability of Jesus to heal. His only question was, was Jesus willing to heal? Because Jesus didn't heal everybody. He didn't. It was impossible, in a sense, 
for him to heal everybody. Not in the sense that he didn't have the power to do it, but everything had to fit with the plan and the purpose that God had for his life. And for here with this healing of the leper and the other encounters we see in chapter 8, we see that there is a special power in this desperation in coming to Jesus that when we have nothing left but to ask God, uh, this man was already dead in the eyes of the world around him. What, what else has he left to lose? But Jesus stretches out his hand and he did the unthinkable in Jewish society. He touched the man. You could not touch a leper. You, you would immediately contract the disease. He said, even if you were going to pray for somebody, you know, you, you're, you're going to you know, pray from a distance. I mean, we would do that today if I invited somebody to come out and they had a contagious disease that I could catch, you know, and they said, would you lay hands on me? I'll do it from a distance. Do it from here. And you would say, where's your faith? He says, well, you can come up and pray with me, okay? And he says, and Jesus doesn't do it, he touches it. And in a moment for the leper, it's like, he probably hasn't been touched in years. Probably hasn't anybody put his hand on his shoulder or to take his hand or, or, or just to hug him or to that. And suddenly, here's this Jesus who's preached this message on the Sermon on the Mount. He's spoken these incredible words with authority. But now he's coming with authority and power. Jesus stretched out his hand and he touches this man. He says, and this bold and compassionate touch from Jesus. It, it was like they'd put the law in and the rules in about touching the leper. It was against the ceremonial law to do it. And it made it all meaningful because as Jesus touched him and healed him, something amazing happened. It was no longer a leper. It was no longer his identity. We talk a lot about identity in 2023. Everybody's out to discover their identity, aren't they? If you're not happy with who you are, you can be who you want the world tells you to be. And yet here it's clear that this man's identity is changed because Jesus heals him. He makes him clean and he gives him a new identity. You can imagine him walking down the street and people saying, there's him, the leper. And he says, I'm not a leper anymore. He says, Jesus has touched me. What could you say to that? He says, Jesus has touched him. His identity has changed. His very name has changed because he's no longer referred to as the leper because Jesus has changed his life. He touches the man to make him clean. And Jesus makes a man clean by almost taking upon himself the uncleanliness and the disease that this man has been, has been smitten with his whole life. Because he probably, how did he catch it? We don't know. Did he catch it on purpose? We don't know. Could it be accidental? We don't know. We don't know any more about him other than what we're reading here in this story. But we do know this. When he encounters Jesus, his life is changed forever. I mean, imagine now, and, and so true, isn't it? When we encounter Jesus, our life is changed forever. As I said earlier, maybe you heard the words of Jesus speaking on the mountainside. Ask and it will be given to you. And the leper thinks, I wonder if he means me. I wonder if it's just for all these other people sitting on the mountainside. I wonder if it means me and do you know what? It means him. 
The leper was the one who asked, didn't he? Lord, if you are willing. He asks a great question, doesn't he? Lord, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And his life has changed. You know, it's interesting that this is the first individual healing described by Matthew. We're told of what Jesus' ministry is in Matthew 4 as he comes to preach a message of repentance, as he comes to teach the word of God, but as he also comes to heal the sick. And Jesus is tremendous that he doesn't just gather a big crowd around him and you're all healed, you're all healed. He encounters his leper coming down on the mountainside and says, this will be the first. Imagine that. This will be the first. His man with leprosy was already dead. He encounters Jesus and his name is written in this book, in this story for life. And it says, we see this here. And it doesn't just stop the progress of the disease. It doesn't just slow down the damage. He says, and the whole other sermon in this, I'm going to preach in Matthew, because the word immediately, immediately, it's like in an instant. It's like there and then. It's like in the next breath, in the next second. Immediately, he says, it leaves him and is healed. Jesus is walking along by the seashore and he sees Peter and John fishing. He says, come, you know, you're fishing, but I make you fishers of men. He says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And almost like not a time to think about it, not a time to respond other than just it's happened. Jesus has done it. And so here, this is what he does. It becomes as good as new. But he does, he said, he tells the man not to tell anyone. Uh, and... I mean, if I'm in the place of the leper here, he says, and this has just happened in my life. I mean, listen, I want to tell everybody. I mean, don't tell me secrets. Don't tell me. I know that's strange as a pastor, but don't tell me secrets that aren't like confidential to do with your life. If they are secrets that are like, you know, something good's about to happen in your life, you know, you're going to get married, you're going to have a baby, you're going to have another baby, something's going to happen. Don't tell me because I then have to pretend. And I have one of those faces that can't pretend. So, you know, when you, somebody says to you, says, look, you know, when they tell you, pretend you don't know. And you're, so when they tell you, you're like, really? <laughs> I do. No, you don't say that. But here, he tells a man and he says, he says, listen, he says, what are you to keep it a secret? He says, I mean, imagine the situation for this leper. I mean, I would want to tell everybody. I would want to get up here on the worship team. And I would want to take the microphone in front of the church. And I would want to sing, praise the Lord. That's what I would want to do. You would have to work. Does that give me a place on the team? No, okay, anyway. You would want to do that, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to be like, you know, because people would be obvious to some people. It says you've been healed. And you're like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you I've been healed and stuff. He says, so, but Jesus is not doing it because he wants to, to keep it a secret. Because I thought this at the time. He says, why does he want to do it? He wants to do it because it's a matter of priority. Do you remember earlier on I said to you that what he had to do was go back to the priests? The temple in Jerusalem and tell them because already it would have been recorded that this man has leprosy there has never been any recordings of anybody being healed from leprosy so this man has to take a three-day journey to Jerusalem and it'll have to go into the chief priest and he said listen I've been healed 
What? It's been here. Leviticus 14 and stuff. He says, no, you have to examine him. So for the next seven days, they've got to examine him. And then they've got to turn around and then say, this most important question, how did you get healed? <sighs> Let me tell you about a man who was preaching one day. He says, he was preaching on a mountainside. As he came down off the mountainside, I thought to myself, I thought, he said this phrase about, you know, ask and you will receive, you know, all of this. And so he says, I went up to him and I said, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. And he healed me. One of the chief priests and the teachers of the Lord do. No, 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 that's impossible. But we're waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. And he says, that's going to be a sign of the Messiah coming. This is going to be a messianic miracle. As to say, we're waiting on him coming. This leper's probably in front of the chief priest. And he said, listen, I think he's here. And he said, no, no, you wouldn't know that. He said, I, I would. I'll tell you why. Do you know why? No, because I was a leper. But now I'm healed and I'm clean. And it says, I've spent three days coming to Jerusalem to tell you, they examined me for seven days. You can't find any sign of leprosy. I've been restored and it's all because of this man, Jesus Christ, who preached on a mountainside one day with all these words of authority. But when he came down off the mountainside, he demonstrated all those words with power and he healed me of my leprosy. He says, and they cannot get their head round it because they know that they are waiting for the Messiah. But the Messiah is here. Jesus is here. He's touched this man. He's healed this man. He's changed this man's life forever. And, and so therefore, as this man presents himself, is the testimony. He's the testimony of the Messiah coming because the Messiah is Jesus Christ and Matthew wants to declare that all the way through his letter as he writes the story of miracle after miracle he's almost saying to the Jews who are the main readers of this gospel Jesus is here Jesus is here he's the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all God's promises all that Old Testament stuff that you're holding on to waiting and looking for the Messiah to come the Messiah's here he's preaching words with authority he's teaching people to repent and he's healing the sick and so they can't argue with that can they how do you argue with that often I say to people when you're debating Christianity when you're sharing your faith there's one thing people can never argue with your personal testimony it says how God has set you free how God has set you free from addiction and brought you out of darkness to light it says people can't argue with that because even if they don't believe it they can turn around and say well I would understand that often people want to get into the theology and the doctrine of all of this and sometimes you need to just say to them tell them your story Tell him you're stopping. The leper had a great story, didn't he? He said, I had leprosy. He says, I met Jesus. He healed me. He cleansed me. And now I'm healed. He says, what an amazing testimony. We have an amazing testimony. What God has done in our life. And here the leper just shares this. Because, and they can't figure it out. Because the, the understanding here that they don't have is this. And this is where Jesus, this is where Jesus gets it. He did not regard the tradition of ceremonial cleanliness as more important than this man's brokenness. He says doing the right thing is always more important than appearing religious. Doing the right thing is almost more than appearing religious. 
Jesus was not interested in keeping the tradition of cleanliness. That's why he touched the leper. But I'll tell you what he was interested in. This is the good news for each and every one of us this morning. He was interested in the man's brokenness. And you know what? This morning he's interested in your brokenness. He's interested in what's going on in your life. He's interested in what you're dealing with in your life. And that's why when the leper says, Lord, if you are willing, will you make me clean? He was moved with compassion and he healed him. Isn't that the good news today? About what Jesus does for each and every one of us. Team, we're going to join us on the platform as we bring this to a close. They recognized this man. His life had changed from living a certain death sentence. But Jesus Christ changed him one day. And all the way through Matthew 8 is Jesus' encounters with individuals. And tonight we'll look at the next verses because he, he meets a centurion one day. Excuse me, whose servant is ill. And the centurion shows something that I think is amazing. He shows a faith that attracts the attention of Jesus, which I think is incredible. And that's all that he wants sometimes as we come and do what we get from this is simply a prayer that says, Lord, if you are willing, will you do this? But then we add that back in, the, Lord, why not me? Why not me? Let, it, let us just take a moment to pray at the end. Father, we come today. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. He is the Messiah. Not he was the Messiah. He may be the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the healer of bodies, the forgiver of sins. And for that man who was a leper, his life was changed that day as he was living out a death sentence and he met Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, will you make me clean? Will you heal me? And Father, I thank you that you are still in the business of answering prayers. That Father, you are still in the business of changing people's lives. You are still in the business of doing stuff in people's lives. And nobody, like the chief priest that day when they examined his body, could argue with other than this was a work of God done through his son and by his son, Jesus Christ. And Father, that's a prayer that we pray over church today, Lord. That God, the, the, you are more concerned, not with us keeping the religious rituals, the ceremonial stuff that comes with that. But you really are more concerned with that brokenness. Our stuff that says, Lord, we are broken. We are desperate. But we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. That's a prayer that I pray over every life, both in church today, those watching online, because you are the only one that can deal with that brokenness. For that, we say thank you. For that, we give you the glory. For that, we thank you for the hope that comes with that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.